Oh yeah, I mean, talk about this one. I know it sound, looks like a naked ladybug, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> That's actually a... Uh, really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly Sorry, right. it was too easy. <laughs> oh, my. There's nothing, man, but you'll see. I didn't, I didn't. Hey, team. Welcome to the Professionally Offensive Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cabrera. This is the spot where we provide raw, unfiltered insights from some amazing guests. Stand by. You're about to be offended in all the right ways. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Professionally Offensive Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cabrera, sponsored by Atreyu Running Company, and we're here with the Atreyu crew today, Michael, me, and then Evan Ransom is our guest here today, and I, I'm stoked to have him on. No, I'll probably say I'm stoked about everybody, because I am, but Evan has actually got a very, very unique and interesting background on how he's come here. We're going to talk about how he's kind of reached what status quo would say is success, but he takes pride in actually the journey and how he got there and how it's been not only unconventional, but I would actually say it's been defiant in a lot of ways, which me to me makes me happy to hear because I think it'll give hope to y'all that are listening right now. Um, but before we go into intros, I mean, because Evan's got a great one. I actually, one of the things that I picked, one of the things that always fascinated me about Evan is, uh, dude, you can sing, man, right? Like this is kind of your bread and butter early on in life right i mean and not just sing i mean it's a very unique way of singing talk yeah. about that yeah man I, I i was a choir kid to start for sure like you know wanted to be an athlete so badly but just was not blessed with those sorts of abilities my dad's like five four i'm luckily five eight but no athlete you know at all uh so i got into choir and stuff early and then uh, proceeded to get a scholarship for singing as well, and that went well. So, um, what yeah, kind of singing? Sing. Yeah, a classical like opera singing. I mean, so like, okay, you got to explain. Like, how does a n- not in my whole entire upbringing did I know what even opera music was, and I just thought it was like what maybe folks in Italy did if you went to something. It wasn't like that's what I'm going to be. Sure. So I-, I was in choir you know, growing up, like, and then middle school, et cetera. And then I tried out for this, like, honor choir thing as a freshman in high school, and I made it. And I wasn't supposed to make it as a freshman. And so that got the attention of one of my teachers who recommended I start doing classical voice lessons. And it just sort of compounded from there, right? Like, so I did, uh, the, the voice lessons, you know, were very much like she, they were a stickler, like you're not doing pop music. Like this is not a, a pop sort of scene. Like you are learning to sing classically. You can apply those things that you've learned classically to, you know, karaoke nights if you want to, but like, that's not what I'm teaching you. And I'm going to teach you how to sing like an opera singer. So that was, you know, the path. And then as I was looking at college and stuff, like, those were the scholarships like singing classically was what you would be trained to do in college right like at a normal university if you didn't go to like a you know berkeley school of music or something that has just like crazy uh (laughs) crazy crazy uh people from all over that sing all sorts of things uh your sort of standard traditional opera is uh or classical is probably what they would call it but yeah that that's where i started uh and 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 just stayed with it kind of the whole time. Yeah. So you, uh, I think you told me that at some point you realized that maybe this one going to pay the bills. 
Yeah. And so you said, okay, I got to go do something different. 100%. Yeah. I, I realized very quickly when I got into college doing it that like, even if I was in the top 1% of people that were studying what I was studying across the US, I would still be flat broke, right? Like even in the top 1% of that. So like, I was like, I'd have to be in like the top 0.1% of people to make money, make the kind of money that I thought would be success, uh, at, at like, you know, just singing, just singing classically. So, uh, yeah, I pivoted pretty quickly, uh, after about a year of that, uh, in that realization to a full on business, uh, yeah. position. Yeah. yeah. That's good, man. Well, I, I dig, I found that, I always find that to be the most, I, I know you probably don't talk about it much, but I find that to be one of the most, uh, endearing and equally kind of powerful thing in your background that it's not you don't meet somebody who sings opera you meet somebody who like you know maybe you know sang a little bit here or there maybe was in a band and did a recording had some success but like someone singing opera is not something you're going to find that often i think so especially then now you're coming into where you are today which i think is kind of unique yeah and i hide it a lot too right like i don't uh you know just casually i don't bring it up a lot because then you get you know you get drunk with a friend and then they're trying to get you to sing and it's like a it's a whole thing it's right like bird. so it's a free bird yeah yeah, 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 yeah it's like you know you know what doesn't go well here opera music at this random you know friday night barbecue right yeah. like that's that's not it so yeah yeah so so transitioned out of that into business transitioned out of the the small liberal arts school that i was in to a big university you know so just a complete dynamic change, but I, you know, I learned a lot through that experience. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. Well, I, I'm going to give the the quick five second rundown on Evan, but I, I do have a burning question, man, that we were kind of talking about the other day, uh, which kind of led into, uh, led into, we're actually having the other day barbecue at Terry's and at Black's Barbecue in town. And I was, uh, it was fascinating to me that we kind of talked about some of these things. But before that, I want to just give everybody just a quick, synopsis on Evan and we can kind of dive into some of these things but uh, grew up kind of in uh, from the Midwest originally but grew up in kind of this international perspective where you've jumped around to Japan spent a lot of time you know as a youngster kind of growing up in that world but then I know that as soon as you got out we talked about opera said that wasn't going to work then you moved into this world of, uh, of business and worked for a major major firm Deloitte figured that wasn't going to be what you wanted to do started your own consulting firm grew that thing sold it, stayed with it for a little bit, got out of it, started another company, which I'm going to love to talk about, which is, it's, it's the cool version of old folks home. <laughs> it is. It's the cool version, man. We'll talk about that, but it, that's what you did. And then, you know, now you're here today sitting at my casa here in Austin, Texas. So living yeah. the dream, living yeah. the dream of your casa here in Austin, Texas is great. Thank but, you for that. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on, man. I, the one thing I did have, a so this is what we talked about and we talked about it only briefly as an idea of talking about these kinds of things. But before we kind of go into what the episode I think is really about today, one of the things that I think would help um, listeners here get an idea of, of Evan, the person, not just Evan, the business professional exec running these companies and entrepreneur is that, uh, I'd like to ask you, we all have these moments in our life that have humbled us and that have made us better in the end. Mm -hmm. But as it stands today, uh, or as it stands at the moment when you were going through it, probably knocked the wind out of you. And part of this show is to humanize, quote unquote, people finding success in their life. Can you talk about a moment where you just felt like you were absolutely just ransacked in the gut and made you better in the end, but in the moment was just 
pure agony. Yeah. Uh, there have been quite a few examples of this, I think. The one that I would say has had the biggest impact on me sort of as a professional since that happened um, was I was in, it was after I'd sold my company, so I had someone sort of above me at this point that I was working with. And we had a business meeting with, with a very, like a very important business meeting. And to this point, like I had always been, I started my consulting firm at 26, right? So like I had always had this sort of like chip on my shoulder that I needed to prove that I deserved my seat at the table with people. Um, and so now we were in this dynamic where there was someone else that was representing the company with me that happened to be much older than I was that was also, you know, talking to this other client, sorry, talking to this other uh, business person. So um, we were, we were both sort of talking and then um, I, I, we had worked with this company for a long time and it, at one point they basically kind of gave me like a, like a wave of like a, Hey, you know, like, like the, the adults are talking now, or at least that's how I perceived it. Well, like in, in a, a meeting, like a board meeting, like a, like yeah, a internal like, company it, meeting. Yeah. Uh, so it was like us and this company that we worked with okay. that I had worked with for quite a long time. And so one of the guys from that company, um, kind of, as I was trying to give an opinion, kind of like waved me off and like shushed me. Um, clearly like I got the vibe that like, he didn't want to hear from me. He only wanted to hear from this older person. And I just flipped a switch and like went ballistic and was like, oh, right Hey, like, do not talk to me like a child. Yeah. Like kind of went, went not ballistic, but, but kind of tried to put that guy in his place and be like, yo, like you need to like, I I've earned the respect here. And I tried to like, you know, step it up and, and it did not end well. Right. Like, so the meeting sort of got out of hand cooler heads prevailed. We were fine long-term, but man, I came out of that meeting just feeling like such an idiot. Like I let this sort of huge chip I've had on my shoulder, uh, you know, impact it. It didn't end up impacting anything really, but, but it, it impacted this relationship that I had built, spent time to build over time. And now I had to go spend time to rebuild it. And I just was like, man, this stupid chip on my shoulder had that, that I, that I had, had, had done well for me candidly. Right. Like I had allowed it to sort of drive my success because I started this thing so young and I like, was like, you know, I'm going to make this work for me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it didn't, it didn't work for me at all there. Right. Like I, I let it get, get to me. And so like lesson learned from that was just that like, okay, like, I can be better in those situations and I, but, but also I don't need to have that chip anymore. Right. Like it, it served its purpose getting me to where I wanted to be. Um, but, but I was already in the room. I was already there having those conversations and, and I didn't, it, I feel, I feel like I'm talking in circles a little bit, but it, it did not serve the purpose. So that was this just like, I felt like a complete idiot walking out of there and I learned a ton from it. We'll never talk to another person like that in a business meeting. Uh, I mean, sure. was it like in the moment that you kind of catch yourself where you kind of, as you were, as you were unfolding this fierce, you know, nature of yourself or this, you know, this chip, did you catch yourself in the middle, but you had gone too far and yeah, you just feel like I yeah. got to finish this. Yeah. Up? yeah. Yeah. That was kind of it. And, and like, it was, 
it was more like I was trying to get my point across and I had felt so wronged by the fact that like he kind of gave me this like hand wave that like, you know, your, your opinion isn't welcome here during this conversation. And at least like, that's how I perceived it. And I'm sure that's not how he intended it. Right. But like, because I was already on edge and it was, was yeah, like I was, I was ready. I just took it the wrong way and it was. We're, we're all ever it's one big happy family Where, now, where's but. the i mean no that's good to hear but like yeah. where's the um where and why did that chip i understand that success probably enhanced it but that usually comes from somewhere right like what's yeah. the origination of the chip uh, uh for me honestly probably if we get for, for like in a therapy session yeah uh the I mean, chip like, the, the chip probably came say. from wanting to be an athlete and being an opera singer right like realistically like i've always felt like i had something to prove because i couldn't I, I wanted to be something other than what I really was at that point. Um, and you know, I, I'm very happy now. <laughs> right. But, but I think that like that, that sort of piece of me started very young from a, like, I need to prove myself because I'm not like in the cool kid crowd with the jocks where I wanted to be. Um, you know, even though we've all learned that that's probably irrelevant. So, no, uh, but yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's definitely probably where it came from. And from there, just kind of continued. Yeah, one hundred percent. Do you you say you're okay now? Is there still a component of you that I imagine you probably don't think about now? You know, being a jack anymore, but or do you? Do I feel like I wish I played golf better? I think. But I think most golfers would yeah. say that. No, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that I'm like sitting here like feeling like I am. Uh, insufficient because I cannot play golf or drive a ball 300 yards like some of my buddies can. Yeah, yeah man. Well, I think you'd crush me at a round of golf any day of the week anyways, man. We might need to go just for, I will do that for your self-esteem. There we go. Thanks. I will help You're you my build man. that stuff just so you know what's going on, man. But I, uh, now thanks for sharing that. I think it's, what's cool about that to me and what you described was the fact that you realized this is the hardest part. How many people carry that with them forever as this idea that it's almost out of self-preservation that I, at that moment you could have decided that I didn't reconcile with the fact that I was kind of being an idiot. Yeah. Right. Most folks out of self-preservation would continue to move on in life, refabricate the story in their mind. This guy was a jerk. He offended me. And if you told me that story right now, I would be with Evan right now. Hey, that's I'm on your side, man. How could someone do that? Yeah. It's amazing. You were, what made you pull yourself out of that? Was it like, was someone telling you that you needed to think differently or did you literally have this like blessed moment of thought? No, I, I walked out of the meeting knowing I messed up for sure. Um, but I did also have the other guy that was in the meeting with me on my team sort of say like, yo, this is not where you want to be either. Uh, so, I, you know, both of those things. But I think, I think when you, at least... I would hope like when you know you've done something that just isn't right or right by me, like, like at least I won't, I won't push my feelings on the rest of the world, but I know at least when I've done something that just isn't right, I feel like, like hot garbage afterwards. Right. Like I am. It's like with, you, yeah, right? I you just, can't, I can't let it go. It just sits with me and it's like, okay, like, yeah, I've, I messed this up. Like this is on me. And I think for me, like, at that point, especially like the hardest part was that like, what am I doing? Like I am representing a bunch of other people's livelihoods at that point, right? Like I need to make sure that I'm better in those scenarios. Um, so that was really the, the big humbling moment for me was that like, like 
I put a bunch of other people's livelihoods at risk because I had this chip on my shoulder that I had to get off my chest, right? Yeah. Again, things worked out. Everybody's happy family, but like that was just this like one sort of blow up meeting that just it was not good. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, well, last thing I'll say on that one because uh, I know we got a lot of the great things to talk through, but when is it okay to? There's probably a moment, right? Like I think about you never should go hurt somebody. Like you shouldn't probably punch anybody at a bar. But sure. if anybody is going to like, if someone is like, I don't know, trying to steal your wife away, you, you're allowed to be violent, in my opinion. Like, there's no, like, don't think that too much. Just go. When in business or when in those professional environments, is it okay to be fierce and, and almost inappropriately fierce for the moment? Is there a time or do you think that just is off the table? I mean, I don't think you should punch someone in the face. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meeting, probably. But you go up there and you're yelling. Yeah, I, I mean... I definitely believe that there are times when, I mean, I was in consulting too, so it's a different sort of mindset, but people need to understand the severity of the situation sometimes. I, I, I do think that it's okay to sort of get assertive. Yelling is probably never, it's never going to get you the outcomes that you want, right? Like, I think that, like, one of the things I've learned in my wisdom probably is the whole like you get more flies with honey than with the swatter right like yeah. so like that that's something i did not have early i would say i've always been more passionate let's say it um but i do think that uh that that i i've i've just when is it right like probably never to get as 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 fierce like i don't think it serves the purpose yeah as much fun as it might be and as much as good as you might feel in that moment to like say someone you like to like, you know, stick it to someone. I don't think that you ever walk away feeling like, Oh yeah. Like that was worth it. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, I would, I would tend to agree. And there's, there's probably those rare moments I think, but you know, that's a, I was the same way, man. You start to think of and at some point in my life, something clicked and it said, is it more important for you to win or is it more important for you to be right? Right. Because right only usually lasts so long. And at the end of the day, you got people who depend on you. You yeah. have things that are riding on your, your willingness to be calm in the situation. And more importantly, imagine being on the other side of that. Oh, yeah, you just started a debacle. Like, good luck trying yeah. to recover from there. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe it's your last day on the job. Right. Then great. Um, yeah, no, that's fair, man. I, I think that's a really good way to kind of think about the world and how it goes. Although I know we all have these moments of just like, let's get after yeah. it. But yeah, Evan, I'm, I'm so, I'm pumped to have you on today, man. I know that our conversations have been, uh, oh, we're rolling. I know our conversations. See, just for that pause there is usually like we're making sure that the uh, the equipment's still working and, uh, and it's rolling, man. But yeah, I am. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to talk about with you today was when we were at Black's Barbecue the other night, we were chatting, and you had talk, you had said something that I found fascinating, because I know Michael and I can resonate with this way of coming up, is, you know, if you would have told me that I was going to be, you know, running a performance footwear brand predicated on simplicity a decade ago, as I was kicking doors down somewhere in the world, I would have been like, yeah, okay, you know. But you realize there's no, nobody would have said that, that glide path would have got you there. And I know you're a big, not only, uh, your, your life is that, but it also is uh, something that I think, when I said defiant earlier, I think you in some ways have some pride in being able to kind of work your way through that process. So 
you talk about at at the, at, uh, at Blacks, you talked about backdoor to success, and one of the things that peeves you about people is that they they immediately eliminate themselves from even the journey because they somehow write themselves off thinking that somebody else had already achieved it a certain way and therefore it's impossible. Can you talk about like early, I mean, you're a guy at 26, you started your own firm, you're going from opera to consulting. Like, where's that come from? Talk about more, like, can you define this backdoor? Because the backdoor success isn't like the black market of like doing something illegal to become successful, like the yeah. mafia. But there is a way that you think about things that I think would help. Yeah, I think this is a mindset that I developed more in college probably than anything else. I think I wasn't, I didn't find myself being like just like the best student in college. And I very quickly sort of went to like, okay, well, how am I still going to be successful if I'm not like sitting here with a 3.5 GPA getting called upon by the best firms and, you know, whatever else, right? Like, how do I get to where I want to go and still do that stuff? And um, I... I kind of took a step back and realized like, well, every piece of business advice I've ever gotten is always like, well, it's all about the people. It's not what you know, it's who you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like that's the, the cliche that we hear all the time. And I think that I started to focus on that stuff early and started to say like, okay, well, <laughs> if that's what these people are saying, like the, the, the what you know isn't really happening super well for me, right? So <laughs> I got to figure it out. Um, and so I started to network a little bit in college and I started to say like, okay, well, I think I, I know I want to go into consulting. I know I don't have the grades to get into a good firm. You know, what are the ways for me to do that? So I started networking with like the MBAs, right? And then I started to, you know, I got, I got randomly roped into a, uh, you know, university run consulting, you know, student consulting firm that had a summer uh, internship set up with with Microsoft to, to do a consulting thing in Microsoft in Ireland. Like if I had done the sort of traditional like, hey, go get an internship from, you know, a Deloitte or a PwC or something, if I if I tried those routes, which I did try those routes and failed miserably, like I wasn't getting in. Like the, I didn't have the grades, I didn't have the sort of, you know, the experience that they were looking for. Like it wasn't happening yet. Like because I went through and started to talk to MBAs and started to, you know, go through uh, you know, this other route to still learn about the thing I was interested in, that sort of, that happened, right? Well, then I went into, you know, same thing, tried to get a job in consulting and then said, oh, like, you know, turns out uh, no one wants to hire somebody with a 3.0 GPA for a consulting thing. In fact, like handed my resume to someone at Deloitte uh, in college and they said, no, sorry, you don't meet the threshold. Like just, you know, have a nice day, not worth applying. Um, so what was going through your brain at that point? Like, why is it, I know what you're going to say, but I'm curious why, why don't stop? That's I mean, probably the, the essence of what I'm trying to think about, which is like, why didn't yeah. you stop going then? Yeah. So I, I think for me, it was like, I, I mean, this is what I want to do, right? Like I, I don't really, I, I, I didn't know enough to know what was wrong, but at that point, like, that's what I wanted to do. All my friends were moving to Chicago. Let's make it happen. So I just started applying to like every consulting firm and writing letters and stuff to every consulting firm I could find in 
uh, Chicago and, you know, eventually someone gave me an interview, right? Like, and, and that was really it. Right. Uh, and, and how'd that happen? It just felt like some, you guys had something familiar. Yeah. So uh, again, the whole, like having grown up in Tokyo thing worked out for me. So I actually played this consulting firm that had just gotten bought by a Japanese firm <laughs> up. They, they literally had, they just gotten bought by them. So I'm in there playing up that like, Oh yeah, I grew up there. I totally understand the cultural impacts, etc. Like it, it didn't matter at all. Right. Like, like, but, <laughs> yeah. but to them, it was something that mattered. Right. So again, Did back, you speak Japanese? Did you speak I, it? I could, I could speak enough to go to a bar with you, but not enough to do business, but okay. like, well, that might be enough to do business. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> But uh, the, the, the interesting part was just that, like, it, it did feel like I was, you know, fi- I found a random way in, right, from, from that standpoint. Like, I, I yeah. okay, I'm in, a, I'm in consulting, right? So then, you know, worked there for two years. Uh, I knew that I wanted to not be, like, stuck into, like, the technical side of consulting where you you're you're in writing code or or whatever else so i even at that early of an age told people that like told my bosses that i i had no interest in doing some of the work that they wanted me (laughs) to do which like i don't necessarily recommend but i like i basically told them like like that's not why you hired me like you hired me to be a business analyst like you don't want me to learn to write this like javascript code because that's not why you hired me and I don't really want to. <laughs> How'd you get them to not Okay, back up. How do you where's the I mean, okay. We all grew up with somebody I mean, so you might just have been that fiercely stubborn and just said, I'm gonna do this. But was there something in you ticking that just said, I have to like how do you get the guts to go tell them this stuff? You literally they could be like, That's great, Evan. Well then you need to go find another job. Yeah. Uh I I mean I mentioned to the I mentioned it to them in the interview that I didn't want to do this. And then in the interview, their response was, that's it, you know, that's great. We actually, you know, we need business people to go along with our technical resources. And so when, when that, when that conversation came up while we were working, you know, I gently reminded them of that, like, that, like, Hey, you know, we talked about, we talked about this and like, this isn't, you know, you need me to be a business person. I don't want to be a technical person. So what'd they say? Uh, you know, they, they were cool with it. I think, um, I mean, crazy, like the partner on the project I was on that asked me to do it ended up doing the technical work on the project. Cause I didn't learn it and didn't do it. Just <laughs> 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 I mean, wild to think about now that I'm like, did you feel bad about it at all? I, I mean, at the time I, I remember feeling a little bad, but I also remember feeling like pretty proud that I like stuck to my guns. Like, yeah, you know, like I, I, you know, wanted you know i saw my career path going a specific way and like i really did think that if i ended up on this technical track i'd be on the technical track forever and that like if Uh, i went that direction then the next project was going to be using those skills again and the next project was going to be using those skills again so if we talk about like you know back to the topic like i very much saw i didn't know where i was totally going but I knew that I wanted to stay on the business side of consulting. And so like, and I had my, my eyes set on the Deloitte's and you know, those more sort of business focused, less technical companies. So for me, it was like position myself to do that. And then, you know, 
lo and behold, uh, within two years of being at the consulting firm that I got hired at, uh, the, you know, uh, the big firms came calling, right? And I, yeah. you know, that, that same person that said I was useless two years prior is now offering me a job and saying, hey, you know, your, your, your experiences look great, et cetera. So, it, you know, again, it goes back to like this sort of backdoor way in, like the traditional route is, hey, do really well in school, get a job at a great firm, stay there, you know, and, and work your way up and, and, and maybe you'll move to another great firm or something at this point. I think it's kind of naive to think that people are sticking around, but like, okay, just kind of swap, you know, move up, move up the ladder from firm to firm. And I think like, I I knew that that wasn't a real, like if, if the success at the end of that tunnel was what I was really after, then like, it didn't matter how the journey started, right? Like it was just about like getting moving and like that there was going to be other ways and other ways to, to get in there. So that that's the, the big mindset, right? Like, and, and then I ended up at Deloitte and then, yeah, the, the audacity to think that at 26, I knew enough to, to tell Fortune 500 companies how to, you know, build a FP&A model. Like I have no idea why I thought that that was, a real thing, but it worked right. Like in it, in it, what was, I mean, what was the special sauce for you to, you know, you mentioned academics not being the strong suit. I remember actually talking one time with you about, uh, which is amazing to me that you're consulting on FPNA and that's, you were saying like, by no means would you consider yourself a finance guy, you know, when it comes to that. So what was the reason that there's obviously some, some boldness in the way, then I think people resonate with that, you know, a, a guy or a, a young person who's like super, it's got energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I respect that. What else do you think is the reason people kept you on things and you were allowed to continue to do things? Man. Um, I would say I, I, I asked a lot of questions in, in a way that helped everybody. Right. So I, I'd say one of the things I am good at is just sitting down and under, you know, asking enough questions to where I fully understand something. Right. And I think that's why I wasn't good in school is because, you know, you were good at school if you could read all of the things and then comprehend how that worked. Right. But in consulting, because you're given the ability to kind of ask as many questions as possible from your customers, like that worked really well for me. So like that, it didn't matter that I wasn't an expert in finance to start. I will say like, at this point, I, I will, I will, you know, say I, I have some expertise in finance at least. Skill, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it didn't matter that I didn't understand it. It mattered that I could sit down and understand their process and then point out like, well, this doesn't make sense. Like, have you thought about doing it a different way? And I think that like that sort of just ability to think about things to question why we're doing something a certain way and to think about maybe doing it a different way. Like that's what I was really good at. So, um, and I didn't have, I, I didn't have any fear about like, you know, asking the CEO or the CFO of some big company, like, have you, you know, why are you doing it that way? Like, you know, help me understand what's going on. Like that, that was the sauce for me. But uh, I think I wouldn't have made this jump if I didn't really understand like the risk 
that the risk was so low for me to actually move on. Right? Oh, that's interesting. So I hear you saying, you know, one of my things that's special is that I have this attitude that says, yeah, of course I'm going to, I'm going to talk to the decision maker here. I'm not worried about that. But then you're saying, but the reason I'm not worried about that is because there's something there that you feel confident. You, your, your, your thought process is maybe people are thinking about it incorrectly about what's actually at stake. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. And I think that like that applies to a lot of things. Um, so when I was working with customers, yeah, asking them, okay, you know, what is, what is the real impact to your business? Like, does it actually move the needle? Uh, that's a cliche. Does it actually like make a difference to the people whose lives you want to impact? Right. Like, and, and like asking them those questions and, and making them sort of understand that there's not a, there's not a huge risk. Like, like, Hey, if we try this, what's the worst that can happen? Right. Um, that is probably, that's, you know, it took me a while to get there, but like, that's my special sauce is the, like, both in myself and in my clients, like sort of taking them through the, like, as I look at change or as I look at potentially switching things up, understanding that like the worst that can happen is not usually as bad as like we would perceive it to be. Yeah. No, so, I mean, like, I, go into that a little bit. I think that's probably why people struggle with this. It peeves me, by the way, as well, that I, I look at folks who I feel have already written themselves off. And part of it is because it's illogically overwhelming for them to pursue something that they know. Everybody, you know, lectures or advice or mentors have given them this advice Hey, you just got it. I mean, you hear about the stories all. They're always the fascinating books to read about someone doing something really off the wall, and it allowed them to get to a point that otherwise may have been unfathomable. What do you tell folks, like especially folks listening right now? Like, is there a mental process you go through that says this is how it puts me in this state of mind to be able to have the courage to go just do this off the wall thing, or maybe it's not off the wall, but hard. Yeah, it, like that was the big thing: choosing to leave Deloitte and start my firm was at the end of the day, I went through this process of saying like, I have this awesome job right now. I'm happy with it. If I stay here, I can move up the ladder. I can stay on this sort of traditional path to success. Like it is almost a guarantee that if I just stay here for 20 years, I'm going to make a crap load of money and, you know, be happy, you know, but, but I don't know if I'll be happy, but I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll have achieved success. Right. And, so you say, okay, like this is one path, but then you say, okay, well, I'm going to take, if I, if I leave this path and I go take this risk of starting my own thing, you know, what is, what is the risk? Right. And, and a lot of people would go like, oh, well, if I leave this path of success that I'm already on, then I'll never be able to get back on that path or a path similar where I had the realization like, well, no, if I go start this consulting firm and I try and I fail, I'll go get another job at a different firm. And like the path is still there. Like nothing, you don't really risk anything by, by taking yourself away from a path, knowing that you can get back on it. Right? Like how many times 
if you're doing it well, like if you left your job tomorrow and, and decided to go try something else and then, you know, it didn't work, but you left on good terms, like more than likely those people are going to hire you right back and put you in the same place. Like all you've really risked is time, right? Yeah. Like you haven't risked anything other than like the financial, I mean, sure. Like the, the financial amount of money that you would have had during that time is, is the risk, but like, then you basically give yourself a runway. That was for us. Like we said, okay, like if this doesn't work, we have enough money saved up for a year. And if this doesn't work, we'll, we'll jump back into consulting and that's it. Right. Like, and I think that, that like, that is such a overwhelming risk to people that, that it's so hard to get over that this, like, I, if I left my job tomorrow, like, I don't know, like, I, I don't think I could, survive you know that's how how did you make yourself feel like you could could take that sort of risk and it's like you just have to realize it's not usually that big of a risk right no it's yeah not. no it's not only that big of a risk but like even you saying that like how many times do that scenario you just played out about well i can never leave my job you find that most people don't even want to be doing what they're doing the risk is actually you staying there yeah <laughs> You know, when you yeah. think about the, the, the lack of, of happiness that most people are probably finding, if you're thinking about doing your own thing, but you don't have the go, you know, you got, it's too overwhelming. It, they're looking at it backwards. It's like, what you're actually saying is I'd rather continue to hurt myself and be unhappy than try to take the chance to be happy. I mean, how do you, like, even when you think about this, I know, I'm not trying to minimize it because it actually is a very common thing in society yeah. to feel this way. But how do you break, I mean, I love the way that you talk about it. Like, hey, this is something that, what's the worst that could happen? I'll just come back and do that. But that requires a level of confidence in oneself to say, I'll, I'll, I can bounce back. Or, you know, maybe my life situation is not so cumbersome where I, we, you know, we can eat ramen noodles for a little bit and I'll just get back to where we were. But you come to find that most folks can't make that because of some preconceived notion of what they're actually giving up. How do you, how do you break through that wall if you don't have the confidence? Yeah, I think that one, like, it's really easy to say, oh, well, you know, you're not happy in this job, so you should quit, right? Like, but in all reality, like, not very many people work because they're happy working, right? Like, people work because they need the money, right? Like, like based on the theme of this podcast, like, if we're just spitting truth, like, none of us would be working if we didn't have to, yeah. right? Like we'd all be dicking around playing golf. I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, but the, um, the, to, to get back to your question, like, I, I think that like, what are you missing is, or, or like, how do you perceive the risk? It's, it's gotta be that you, have some ability to 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 objectively look at your situation right like you have to be able to like take a step back from the like oh my god like like you have such a good thing going here and you're gonna make so much money if you just stay here right and like even if you're not super happy like this is a good thing going right and like we've all been raised like when you got a good thing going like don't blow it up but like like other things could be good things too, but you don't know that until you've started them. Right. So you look at your, here's my good thing going. Like, what is, 
the real like like is this the most is the thing that I'm doing the most unique thing and am I the most like replaceable person to where I I I guess like if we're thinking about this from an economist perspective right like is it which is like not the direction I thought this conversation would go um <laughs> like is is the need low and the skill set great right like is is what you offer super scarce or or super available and is the need for that really low like then maybe maybe you know maybe it will be harder but in all reality usually it's somewhere in the middle where like okay well like there is a need for my skills and there aren't that many people that have the exact skills that i have so when i start to do that math like yeah i should actually be able to put myself in a place that if i took a break or if i tried something else and i like went to try to go do something entrepreneurial if i failed those skills didn't go anywhere yeah. right and the need for those skills didn't go anywhere so like the the risk is actually not that high right but you've got to you've got to like literally take that step back and like look at it objectively to be able to make that decision yeah no it's a that's a good way of putting it man i think that's a skill that do you recommend people start i mean it, it it you probably can do it now like a master but in order to access that back door to success, whatever that is, you know, whether it's, you know, just literally just unplugging yourself and plugging yourself into something else or doing these odd jobs until you get to where you want to go. How do you, how do you build the, do you build by doing it small? Do you try something kind of easy going? Do you say, you know what, I'm gonna try walking. I'm gonna sell my car. See how that goes. What's the worst that could happen? I'm late a couple times to work because I didn't plan my route, but you know, do you, I mean, did you do anything? Maybe if you didn't do anything, you made any recommendations to anybody? Like, how do you start in such a way that gets you to then make those bold moves? Yeah, I, I think your example is really great, right? Like, the, the, the car thing could be a very easy sort of first step or, or any, anything in that realm where it's, yeah, I, I can try to do something. If I think it will work, then I should try it and recognize that the worst case scenario is I go buy another car. Right. Like, like what's the real risk here? Right. Like it's not downtime. Like it's, 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 if you have the little bit of time it takes to sell your car and buy your car, buy another one, then like, that's the only risk we're really talking about. Right. Like yeah. if, if you had a car payment before you didn't before, you know, you didn't, you don't want now. Right. Like that's a, a great example. And I think that like it, it can be, it can be applied at kind of any scale. Right. It just helps you to sort of take a step back and say, Oh well, yeah. Like this isn't, this isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Right. Like, like it, it, if I fail or if it doesn't work or whatever, that's okay. Right. Like then I'll just go back to doing what I was doing. You know, that that's great. Did you ever go back? Do you ever ever go back to the thing you were doing? Would I ever go? No. Back? Did you ever go back? Oh, did I ever? Have go you back? ever unplugged? Said I'm gonna go do this thing. It's gonna be awesome or not? Did you ever go back to the thing you were? When you say that logic. Worst thing can happen is I'll just go back. Did you actually ever go back? I actually never did go back. So why not? I didn't have a need to, to be honest. I think... Kind I, of my I, point is, is like, yeah. the going back is the option that actually is kind of illogical. More than likely, if it didn't work, did you find you just found something new to go do? Like going... The, we, I just think that people think going back is actually I, the option that if it doesn't work, instead of it's 
Maybe it's not going back. Maybe sure. It's yeah, but yeah. Usually, what happens is that the the trying something new opened up a whole new avenue of things, right? Um, they get an example of something that kind of. So, so, like for me, right? Like, so I I was in consulting. I started my own consulting firm, but what I was really was an entrepreneur, right? Like, I started in a company, and that company, like starting that company, building it, selling it, like that put me in a position to be an entrepreneur, right? To where I wanted to go start a different company, doing something completely different, helping old people age in their homes, right? Like it's a completely different thing than I did th than consulting, right? I, one helps big businesses make more money, the other helps old people age in their homes. They're, they could not be more different, right? But that, uh, it allowed me but by taking the first step, it allowed me to open up a door to something that I would have never had in a million years. Now, here's what's interesting, though. I still today know that if everything fail, failed, right, if, I, if everything fell apart, the skills that I have as a consultant are still valuable, and I could still go get a job tomorrow doing consulting work. Yeah. Right? And I, and I think about it all the time. Like I, 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 like that is something I will hang my hat on that like, like, you know, if, if it all fell apart, I could still go do this thing, this skill that I've created. Yeah, man. Well, and you, not only you could do the, the you also have to humble yourself at, at whatever level I need to go do it. Right. Cause 100%. I know, I know yeah. Evan, I know you well enough to know you're like, you're not going to allow Sarah or your family to be in a situation where they're suffering. Right. So you're like, if I got to go back and even just be an analyst again, I'm yeah. doing that. Right. Yeah. Because that's what I got to do. I think about that. I tell Kelsey that all the time. Yeah. Like if it all, if it all hits the fan, I'm cutting grass. Yep. Right. I'll just go get a mower and I'm just going to, I used those cats make a ton of money. Right. And <laughs> you know, I'm going to go cut grass because the yep. food will be on this table. Yep. Right. No matter what. And I think that's the other thing. It's like, stop thinking about it. Like, well, I'm not going to be able to become a VP again. Well, maybe that's not the point, yeah. you know? So no, I find that interesting. Okay. Now you talk, okay. You said, I mean, you snuck it in there. We got to talk about the new venture, <laughs> the golden home manager. I mean, so talk, I mean, so you go from consulting at a major firm, then you go from starting your own firm, selling it very successful. It, that business is still thriving today. Your consulting firm that you've, you know, started and was able to continue on for a little while before you moved into this new venture. Got to tell folks about what it's all about. It's different than people, you know, it's different. Yeah. I, I mean, I think backing up, like coming out of the consulting space, one of the things I knew that I wanted to do next was move to starting something that I felt like could really help people. Um, and so like that was really important to me. So I started to look at all sorts of things, but kind of land on this as really a family business, right? So now I've started like my wife's family um, was, you know, her, her mom ran a nursing home. Uh, her brother uh, has done a bunch of things, but, but also kind of was, was a big part of the maintenance program at the nursing home. And so this business is really kind of a brainchild of, of them. And I've gotten involved because I'm a business person that knows how to do that. So it's a fun, crazy family business uh, that we've started, but it's focused on helping seniors age in their homes, but not like through home health, like not focused on the individual. It's focused on taking care of the actual houses, right? Like you don't want your 80 year old grandpa up on a, a ladder cleaning gutters at 80 anymore, right? Like he needs to be hanging out, you know, 
with his buddies. Even if he's even if he's super spry and getting can get around, like you know that's a that that's a big thing. So so that's what the business does. I you know I don't want to go into you know, we can go into some detail later. Or I don't know, but the uh, the the focus is really just finding a way to help people, um, and it's been really fun uh, a fun journey for me to to move. And I think you know going back to it right like I would never have the confidence if you asked me in college if I would ever run a business like this or I would ever even work for a business like this I would have told you you were absolutely nuts right like yeah. this is this is something I only feel comfortable doing because of the experience I had from taking a leap earlier in my career um and it's fun, man. I, I'm I'm learning a ton every day. But what's the thing that? What is the something about that industry that would shock people or would make I, you scratch I think, your head? I think people understand it, but I think that like you don't until you start to really work with people, like how much of a need there is, like people do a lot of stuff themselves that really shouldn't be right. Like, and, and I think you mean like maintenance of stuff that maintenance, puts them in an extreme amount yeah, of Yeah. Just or? everybody like, or j just in general, like, like, you know, we serve a certain subset of the population. Like the, you, you think the one thing that everybody does is get older. Right. And so like everybody in the world, like from every, walk of life, et cetera. Like, you know, you lump your, you know, you lump the senior demographic into, you know, oh, seniors. Like the diversity from that is the same diversity as, you know, the non-seniors, right? Like, yeah. like it, it's the exact same. And that's something I think that like kind of gets lost in the shuffle is that like people are just as different when they're old as when they're young. And I think that like, that's kind of been an aha moment for me and that like, I thought that, Oh yeah, our demographic is seniors between the age of 70 and 85 or 90. Right. Like, well, no, like our demographic needs to be, you know, our target audience needs to be much more honed in than that. Um, yeah. You're saying people make a sweeping generalization. Yeah. Like, every old person, every 65 year old listens to Sinatra takes their time right. getting up from the stairs and they don't really care. They don't like spicy food. Right. Right. And that's not true. Yeah. It's weird though. You're right that we click in our brain. We just think old. Yeah. They all look the same. They all act the same. Right. So do y'all provide like a, how do you, how do you sort through that then? I, how, how do you provide value in that? Cause there's a level of dignity that gets lost when you do that. Right? 100%. Right. Like you just said like, Oh, like you're, you know, you're all, it's it's equivalent to saying like someone's race right like oh you're you're all asian like oh it doesn't matter if you're you're korean or you're japanese or you know whatever right like but it does like it all matters so much and i think that like what we it's just been an aha moment i think from for my perspective to to try to meet that sort of like to recognize that that exists and sort of meet it with grace and say like look like we understand not all not all seniors are sort of created equal right like that yeah. like that everybody has different needs you know and, and it's a very individual thing so so that's just been a little bit eye-opening uh and in a great way like only positives really have come from that but um 
Yeah, that's that's I think the best answer I have for no, I, that's great, man. I appreciate you sharing that. I know you probably don't want to belabor the point, but I, I do think what you're doing is incredible. I mean, when we had talked about it the other day, and you had you know articulated to me that to me it struck a chord so much. We all want to be respected as people, and more than anything else, you want to know that your 80, 90 years of life not only mattered. But I can't imagine going 80 years in my life, 90 years in my life, hopefully 100 one day, and to be kind of abandoned at the end, right? You've done all this stuff in your life. You maybe try to make the world a better place, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there by yourself in this room with nobody to interact with. Yeah. That's not where I'm shooting for. I'm not trying to get to that point, Yeah. right? I don't want any piece of that. But you also don't want to put this burden on your kids. You also don't want to be this burden to your friends. And you sure as heck don't want people to see you that way. Right. Right. Because you were maybe young and mighty at some point. You did some great things. So I do think what you're doing is amazing, man. I do think that. And I know if there's anybody who can really slice it in a way that is not only going to be unique, but it's going to be something that's inherently good for the world. Those random backdoor moments into your life, I think you'll bring it in there. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you start to create personality tests for seniors that allow them to pair <laughs> up with, you know, maybe it's not Jim, but maybe it's Susan that comes to the house, you right, know, whatever right. it is. I got to believe that that's stuff you're thinking about. Yeah, for sure. We have thought a lot about that sort of stuff around, you know, what's the best way to make sure that we're engaging with seniors in a way that, that meets them at the door, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, what, what builds comfort? How do we make sure that, that, that the, that, that it's a relationship that we're putting with our clients, which is, you know, it's takes a lot of thought, takes a lot of, you know, brainstorming, you know, we're talking about technology. We're talking about, you know, personality tests is one of them too, for sure. Um, so it is, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, it feels very wide open. Like we can go in a ton of directions, right? We started less than a year ago. So uh, it's been a, you know, just, just kind of like a, a very eye opening is the best way to keep saying it. Right. Like we've learned a ton and we're hopefully opening in Austin here in September. So that's awesome. Man. Um, new markets and, and the rest. So is that, you know, I know we're coming up on some time here, but kind of going back to what we had started talking about, you really truly, I mean, especially for our listeners that are out there right now, I gotta believe that you didn't end up being I know you won't admit this, but I will say that you're probably one of the best equipped guys to be able to help solve this and make it as good as it can be in this new venture that you're at. But I got to believe it was those moments of coming in the back door intentionally or unintentionally that allowed you, and you said that, it prepared you for those things. What do you tell folks right now that are contemplating this, whether I leave my cushy job or whether I leave this, maybe it's not so cushy, but I'm just scared to leave. You know, I would imagine that if Evan didn't do those a couple of times, that you wouldn't be in this position to actually create good for the world. Hmm. How do you get people to be more wholesome about thinking about those things? Yeah, it it's something that I like, you know, even we had analysts come in and, uh, you know, and, and talk to me about moving up or, or whatever else. You know, I, I think recognizing the the one that the worst what's the really the worst that can happen and two recognizing that like if you have an opportunity in front of you to go do something like and it and it can increase your wealth or life in a certain way right like you know to you know substantially right like let's say 
my life will be 30% better if I go do this thing on the whole, if it's successful or if it's not right. Yeah. Like I'm going to be happier doing it. Like let's remember that like the business that you work for, if they could make 30% more without you, they would. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's an eye opening thing to sort of think about. And I think that like, you know, as a business owner, it, it it's, it's hard to admit. Right. But like, if, if I'm sitting here with, you know, say I'm a $30 million company and I can go make three more million dollars in revenue and they say, Hey, you got to get rid of this person to do that. Like it, it's probably going to happen. Right. Like it's, it, and it's no hard feelings. Like, like it's just a, you know, it's a business decision, right? Like in the same way, if your life is presented to you, if like you, you have this sort of opportunity to go be 30% better or 30, you know, in whatever world and whatever part of your life that matters, I, I feel like, like recognize that you're not hurting anyone to do that, right? Like, like you're, you're off, you should feel comfortable doing that, especially understanding that like, usually the risk is lower than you think. No, I dig that, man. I think you're, uh, it's something that I, I hope that our listeners right now kind of take away from that. It's not only the good and I mean, it's, you know, my my wife always says the dots never make sense connecting them when you're looking forward, right? They always make sense when you look back. And I think it's a really kind of a true statement. And you can look at somebody like you and say, yeah, okay, maybe I do need to do that because it's going to work out this way. I mean, you'd probably argue to some folks, it, it, it may just be catastrophic for a while, you know, but it seems to me that you found some... I would imagine if I'm you am in your brain that you're probably thinking the excitement of that unplug and doing something is probably the point, isn't it? Less about, I mean, the outcomes are great, but I imagine there's got to be a component to you that's kind of, I don't know, in fact, indicted to that, that uncertainty to that, you know, it's kind of like skydiving or something, you know? Yeah. I tell everyone uh, that, that tries to be an entrepreneur, tries to do something sort of off the wall. Like if you feel both excited and terrified at the same time, you're doing it right. Right. And that yeah. does become like an, a very addictive feeling where it's like, this is going to work. This is right. Right. This is going to work. Right. <laughs> like, I think it's going to work. Um, you know, you're looking around at your buddies trying to like, get like, it's going to happen. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's funny, right. As you, as you move forward, it doesn't, the, the feeling doesn't go away, right? Like as the business I built grew, it became the, the pressure, the, 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 that feeling of excited and terrified was the same, but for very different reasons, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that like that is something that, yeah, absolutely. Like I am addicted to that feeling, right? That like I, I am building something, there is some risk associated to it but I know that the, that the like real risk is not that bad. Right. But, but there is some risk. Um, and I think that like that, that's a fun feeling. It's almost like you're, you're like, you're gambling, right? Like, you know, you're playing the pass line. It's 50, 50, like that feeling that you get, but, but guaranteed like your odds are better than 50, 50, right? Like, yeah. Like, you can operate <laughs> your way into success. 100%. You got a good team, all yeah. those things. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, 
Yeah, no, I think that is a good way to put it. You get addicted to that. It doesn't get easier. You're right. The, if you're doing it right, it continues to be that way in its yeah. own ways. I think what's awesome about that, I, even in you saying that brought up some experience of my own, which is just, you also get addicted to the empathy and to the compassion you get to have for when you get to watch people. You get to watch, you walk, you run into somebody who's 26 years old and they're doing it again, or mm -hmm. 22. And they're just, they're like, they're just, uh, you know, they're, they're chicken with their head cut off. And you kind of smile inside and mm -hmm. you can put your arm around them because you know what it felt like to be then. Yeah. And so that, that's actually a very, you actually can't be rewarded with that feeling if you didn't go do those things. Right. And that's an amazing feeling that you rob yourself of, you know, if you don't have that ability to go uh, and replug, yep. you know, and go try this thing, you yep. know, it, it doesn't even resonate. No, I think that's, it's the only way to live life. So now, man, Evan, I will, I mean, so for our listeners, I know we're coming up on wrap here. Any final words of wisdom or thoughts or, you know, things that you you know, that you feel like they should know? I think we talked a lot about like my success and like the things that I was able to do, et cetera, like through the back door. And one of the funniest things is that like, you know, I talked about this, you know, sort of cliche of it's not who you, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? And I think that what's so funny to sort of tie all of this back together is that like none of this success happens on my own, right? Like me as an individual, I think that like, something that that people think is that like oh like they they look this person did x y and z and it's never it's almost never that this person did x y and z it's this person had a great team and built a great team and they you know enabled the people to help him do x y or her do x y and z and like that's where my successes really come from is that yes i i got creative to get to where I wanted to be going. But at the end of the day, it is the people that that you surround yourself with. And yes, you, like you have to lead them, but you cannot get to any semblance of success really by yourself, in my personal opinion. No, I think that's about as gospel as it gets, man. Spoken <laughs> like a true pro. No, it's the truth. And you wouldn't want to. At the end of the day, why would you ever want to be alone at wherever you're going to end up, right? One, it's impossible to get right. there. Evan, how do people find you, man? What, you know, what do you got working on now? I know you got Golden Homes Management, but how do they find you, and how can people look, you know, for, keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, um, so people can find me there. Uh, Golden Home Management is the big thing that, that I'm working on now, so that's just goldenhomemanagement.com. Um if uh, if you reach out through that, I you know it, the message will get to me. If you're trying to get to get to talk to me, um, or or reach out on LinkedIn is probably the the best ways. Great. Well, Evan Ransom, thanks a bunch, brother, for being on. Uh, really could not ask for uh, for a better way to spend a Wednesday evening Cinco de Mayo because we're about to go crush some tacos and chips and That's walk. Right. And so to me, there's nothing better than kicking off with a little Evan Ransom in our lives. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, this is the Professionally Offensive Podcast. You can find us on all platforms. Don't miss this episode. Tell your friends about it if you listen through it. And uh, Evan, thanks again. Thanks for having me.